This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. Our text for this, this uh, series is called The Strongest Voice. It's 1 Corinthians 14.10. There are, it may be, so many kinds of voices in the world, none of them was out, is without signification. The theme of this whole uh, series has been uh, the importance of God's word being the strongest voice in our life. But we made a, a pivot last week and we begin to talk about not underestimating the importance of our voice, what's coming out of us. And so we, we want God's voice to be the strong. There's a lot of voices out there. It can be the voice of your past. It can be the voice of your, of your friends. It can be the voice of your spouse, of your parents. It can be the voice of, of people who are influential in your life. The strongest voice, the most powerful voice, and the most accurate voice is God's voice and his word. And so when that's strong in our lives, it, it begins to change us. But then we, we have to ask what's coming out of us. And so we talked about this last week, and I, I feel like we need to go over it just again. I'm going to recap a little bit and then, and then talk about some other areas. And I think that this message, especially as we're dealing with the issues that we're dealing with today, I think, I think this, you'll find this really important. So you ready? Okay. Philippians second chapter. Uh, verses 14 and 15. We said, what's the strongest voice coming out of you? Doing all things without complaining and disputing, that's complaining and arguing, that you may become blameless and harmless. The children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. The, um, we talked about this last week, that, that when we're not complaining and not arguing about things, and it, it really covers a pretty broad segment, it says that it positions us to be blameless and, and pure and above reproach. That's above someone having something bad to say about us. And in other words, if they're saying something bad about us, they're making it up. And he said that you would, by complaining, by not complaining and arguing, it causes us to stand out. And it stands out as children of God. He said in the midst of a, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. So this is saying we, this is one of the way we shine. Now we've, we've, heard, we've heard teachings on shining your light. You ever heard that? You need to let your light shine. And oftentimes we've equated letting our light shine with uh, good deeds, and that's accurate, that they may see your, your good deeds. But you also there's, there's another way to let your light shine. You know, if you work, you work in, a, uh, in a company you're, you're surrounded by people. They don't always get a chance to see your good deeds. They can't see maybe that you come out here and, and help on a Sunday or you help on a Wednesday night and you take care of kids or you work with uh, in our parking lot. They can't see those good deeds. But they can hear your good words. And the idea that one of the best ways to let our light shine and how we can actually stand apart from the generation that we're in it's one of the biggest differences we're going to find is in the words that we speak. Now, when I'm sharing this, I, I, want, to, I want to clarify something for you. Sometimes uh, pastors, preachers, they get on topics and, and people think, well, man, they, they're just giving it to us tonight. And I, I want you to understand, when, when I'm talking about this area, this is an area that I'm talking about tonight that all of us can grow in. Um, it's probably the area that in, in my Christian walk that I've been the most challenged in. Some of you who are quiet, you're more quiet by nature. There's actually some benefits to that. 
The Bible said, in the multitude of words, there wanteth not sin. In other words, if you're talking a whole lot, you're sinning. There's some sin there. Your possibilities go up. Just like if you speak a whole lot, you have opportunities to say stupid stuff. I would have expected a bit more sympathy from those of you who do not speak. But the idea is, if I, if I speak a lot, the chances are I'm going to say something that when I get home, George's going to look at me and go, hmm, hmm, hmm. But so people who are quiet have, have that advantage. But those of us who are verbal, and you know who you are. You're the ones talking to me right now under your breath. The, the, the verbal ones, uh, we, we have to watch it because most, most of the challenges we're going to have is with our words, what we say. Yeah. My mom said, I came out talking and never stopped. She said, Alan, at two years old, you were, you were speaking in paragraphs. She said, I was just, I was prolific as a talker. And rarely am I caught at a loss for words. I need to be at a loss for words sometimes. And so when I'm talking about this tonight, I'm talking about things that all of us can learn. I'm still learning. Here's the good thing is, I've gotten better. And so can you. So this is not something that's impossible, this is, but it is something I think we need to be aware of. And in today's environment, I think we need to be especially aware of it. Because the proliferation of words and people using words, and I really think this would be a really good time for the church, I'm not talking about just the ark, but the church, to stand apart and be different from the world that we're living in. Amen. And one of the key ways we're going to be able to do that is, is, is with our words. So... Paul, Paul, when he wrote the, the church in Philippi, he said, don't do it. He said, don't complain and argue. That causes you to stand out. Then I asked the question, so is that the biggest thing that comes out of you? It's a good question. If someone hung around me all day, what would they say? Would they say, well, they're, man, all they complain all the time. Or they just argue all the time. Or would they say something else? Here's, an, here's another thing. What comes out of you? Reporting, repeating, and revealing. Reporting just what you see. Repeating what you've heard. Revealing what's in your heart or how you feel. So here's, here's the question is, how does our voice, if we're doing that, how does our voice impact others? And we looked at this verse in Ephesians, Ephesians 4.29. It says, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. I, uh, last week I brought up, so this is a bit of a recap, but I, I brought up the fact that Ephesians 4, 29 is preceded by a few other verses where the, where the scriptures are talking about Christian behavior. And Paul is writing to the church. And this, this is what he's writing to the church. He, he wrote the church in verse 25, so therefore putting away lying, let each of you speak truth with his neighbor for we're members of one another. I mean, if you know, probably it would be a good thing not to lie. I don't know. Do you, you, have a, you ever have a friend where someone says, oh, man, you need to meet my friend. <laughs> he is a great guy. He lies all the time. You can't believe a word that he says, but he's a great guy. That doesn't make sense, does it? If you lie all the time, does anybody trust you? No. So we, we pretty much know that. 
when I grew up, old school, if I lied, <laughs> they don't do this anymore because someone's going to call CPS. <laughs> but my mother would take a bar of Dial soap and wash my mouth with soap. And, and I have a nervous tick about it now. No, how, any, anybody ever get their mouth washed out with soap? See? I, I, just, I just showed an age gap right there. If you didn't. <laughs> How many of you have never had your mouth washed out with soap? Well, good. Good for you. But man, my mother would, uh, <laughs> she'd bring that dial soap, and then the dial soap would get stuck in your teeth. <laughs> and so you would taste soap all day long. It'll cure you from lying, or, or that, or you get better at it. I got better. Uh, it said, it said, so it said, don't lie. And then it said, be angry and do not sin. <laughs> Whew. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Now, I always give that as marriage advice. I think it's good advice, period. It's right, hey, it's right under don't lie. Y'all, Y'all are excited about don't lie. Whatever happened to be angry but don't sin? In the same chapter. Like right together. And then it says don't give place to the devil. We're like, oh yeah. Which is right below be angry but don't sin. And then said, let him who stole steal no more. So he's writing to the church. He's like, okay, all you guys make your living by stealing. Y'all need to stop. Stop stealing from people and go to work. That's the advice. You think that's good advice. So what we got is, and you taught your kids that don't lie, tell the truth, right? Do not steal. If you steal, you are in trouble. I won't even talk about what happened when I stole something one time. Not good. But why don't we, why don't we, when we read be angry but don't sin, why don't we put that in the same category? And then it said, it keeps going. He said, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. But what's good for necessary edification? It may minister grace. Corrupt words are words that are toxic, words that hurt. There's a proverb. It's not on my refrigerator, but it's a good one. It said, there, there's one who speaks like the, the thrustings of a sword. But the tongue of the wise is health. The Bible talks a lot more about words than we give credit. We say things like, oh, just words. Oh, I didn't mean it. And yet people get hurt. The, um, yeah, just saying I'm just saying, you know, if you came up here to talk to me after service and you said something and I didn't like it and I slapped you. <laughs> you'd be upset. That word would spread so quick. I just talked to that pastor and he slapped me in the face. And if I look at you and go, well, I, I, I don't like what you said. 
So I just decided to slap you. Well, but you don't do that. You don't do that. That hurts. Now, obviously, I had to be very judicious about who I slapped. I'd have to be someone much smaller or frail. <laughs> Some of you boys are pretty big, and it could get bad for me. But how do you know that would be so wrong? Right? We just know that, okay, you don't agree with somebody at work, and your boss says something you don't like. You just don't reach across the desk and slap him and go, say that to me. That's called unemployment. <laughs> but why don't we treat our words the same way? Someone says something, you can say something with your words that will sting much harder than a slap. A slap will go away. But some of those words will stay with people still remember today things that were said to them when they were kids. And they hurt. And so the scripture is saying, don't let corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. But what's good for necessary edification? I said tonight I want to get to the to the, to the good part. But before I do, I want to hit one more. Just while we're on it. Ephesians 5, excuse me, Ephesians 4, 31 and 32. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. You know, we've got a, we've got a, a billboard on the, around the community. Some of you have seen him. It says, God's not mad at you. I actually had someone wrote me. They were very upset that, that we said that we're not. And he said, I don't understand why you're telling people that God's not mad at them. And um, I, I remember he read it. He pretty much told me theologically. It was addressed to me. Pretty much told me theologically I was, I was off and mistaken. He was a Christian. And um, I thought, when I first read it, I thought, well, okay, that's what you think. I wasn't going to write him back. But then I thought, you know what? He was fairly polite, so I wrote him back. And uh, I, I wrote him back, I called him by his name. I said, the scripture that comes to my mind, to my mind, I said, is John three sixteen, For God so loved the world. I said, then, of course, there's Romans 2, 4. It's the goodness of God that leads you to repentance. See, putting on, on a billboard that God's mad at you, I don't think it's going to reach people. I just, a lot of people already believe that God's mad at them. I'm telling them something different. So I just wrote, I gave him those scriptures. I said, we're both trying to reach a lost and dying world. But I think I'll stay with my method. Glad you love the Lord. I'm sure we'll have some time in eternity to hash all this out. <laughs> We're all learning. I said, my response is not to start a back and forth. We'll just have to agree to disagree. So I'll not be able to answer any more emails. After all, we both should be busy reaching the lost. And I just put respectfully, Alan Clayton. Now, what's interesting is this guy wrote me. He didn't like what I said, didn't like what we did. And so I, I have a response. How can I respond back? 
So I responded. I just said, hey, we get to heaven, we'll talk about it. Because I'm sure there's going to be a whole class for preachers correcting our mistakes. And we're going to be looking at one another going, oh, really? I'm sorry. But, but the, the, the thing about it is, when I wrote him back, I didn't have to be unkind. Now, it's interesting because I said, well, I said, now, I'll be honest with you guys, this is a huge growth for me. I feel real good about myself that I wrote this. Because it's not what I used to do. Used to, you take a shot at me, I'm coming back. In fact, Wilma, thank God for Wilma. Wilma's my administrative assistant. She's been with me for 22 years. She's wonderful. She's never yelled at me. She's only rolled her eyes at me once. But I would sometimes write a letter and I'd send it and I would, I'd ask her, I'd say, a little hard? She went. So we had a rule. I would not respond to someone who took a shot at me within, in, until 24 hours. Called it the 24-hour rule. Why? Because it gives me time to be kind. Because the scriptures say, be kind one to another. Tenderhearted. Forgiving one another even as God in Christ forgave us. Guys, listen to me just for a little bit. We can rant and get angry and we can verbally slap people and it's not doing us any good. And it's not telling the world that living as a Christian is the better way to go. It's not a good witness. We gotta stop. We gotta stop being unkind. Now it's interesting, I said, well, I said, let me get that letter for tonight. She said, he wrote you back. He, and she asked me, do you want to read it? I said, no. There's no sense in reading it. Because I, I said, was he real nice? And did he tell me he was sorry? She said. <laughs> so here's the deal. You know what I did? I didn't even read it. Why? Because I don't need to get angry. So I don't need to come back at him and go, how stupid can you be? We're trying to reach the world, man, not make them mad. We're trying to reach the lost people. That's not going to help anybody. So can we stop? And, and let me just tell you too, because I didn't read it, I feel real good about it. I don't, whatever he wrote, I don't care. What I don't know, in this case, will not hurt me. Right? Amen. Scriptures, listen guys, here's what we got to do. I say, well, Alan, people are doing stuff and, 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 there's, and you know what's going on. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know. I know stuff's going on. And I know it can make you angry, but it's hurting you. It's not helping you. Man, you can get angry, you can just get fired up. And what's it changed? Not a thing. But it will, it will hurt you. It's toxic on you. So what should I do? Glad you asked. Ephesians 5, 3 and 4. It said, uh, Paul's, Paul's still on a roll here. 
He says, but fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, not, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints. Calls them saints. <laughs> Isn't that great? Y'all need to stop fornicating and being unclean and coveting saints. Which means, and aren't you glad that God sees us as a saints even when we've messed up? Yes. I am too. Neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse jesting. Filthiness is obscene stories, foolish talking or coarse jesting, lowbrow humor. <laughs> Which are not fitting or discreditable, but rather giving of thanks. If I told a dirty joke in here, You would look at me, that, that, you would, I would be discredited. If I just told a dirty joke and, and you thought, oh my gosh, that, 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 was dirty, that was a dirty joke. Did the pastor just tell a dirty joke? He's already slapped somebody, now he tells a dirty joke. <laughs> That's so wrong. It, it's discreditable. So he's saying is, you're, you're, not, you're not doing things that are discredited. He said, but rather giving of thanks. Here we go. What should be the biggest thing coming out of us? Thanksgiving. Thanks. Well, I'm grateful. Well, I'm thankful. I appreciate all, all the good things. You say, well, are you sure, Alan? Yeah, well, here's another one. Colossians 3.17. Whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Boy, this is good. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Guys, do you, do you realize if you're a believer, do you realize who you represent? We're not just sorry Christians holding on, waiting to go to heaven. We're God's kids. We're part of his family. We're representatives of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're followers of him. So we identify with him. So whatever we do in word or deed, do all in the name of Jesus, giving thanks all the time. Thankful people. Real quick, I got any Aggies in here? Aggies. If you're, if you're an Aggie and you graduated from there, you're, you're not a two percenter. Give me, give me a real deal, a real deal Aggie. Someone stand up and go, I'm one. All right. You're, you're, the, you're the real deal, right? All right. All right. Wait, hang on. Hang on. Hang on. How much University of Texas gear do you wear? None. <laughs> Couldn't even give you any. No, no. Okay, I'm, I'm not going to, but I just, want, just wanted to know. But I, yeah, he's got his A&M thing on. How many, of you, how many of you Aggies wear a lot of tech, University of Texas gear? Yeah, yeah, see, I've already get, I'm going to start to get this stuff. You know why I get the stuff? The reason I picked Aggies are is because as a, as a university, that's a group that really identifies with being an Aggie. I said Aggie and I heard whoops go up all over, right? right. They identify. And if you identify that way, you would not, graduating from A&M, you're not going to wear a UT shirt. You wouldn't be called semi-dead in a UT shirt <laughs> because you're an Aggie. And because that would not be representing you. Would you like to walk into College Station with a UT shirt on? No, you knew. No, no, no. Because that's not what you represent. It would help us if even more than being an Aggie, because you know when, when they get to heaven, they probably will not have an Aggie section. Sorry. <laughs> We're not going to have an Aggie section. 
But all of us are going to have, a, there, there's another identity. When we get to heaven, being, being an A&M graduate won't get you into heaven. Being a UT graduate won't get you into heaven. Being identified with the Lord Jesus Christ is what's going to get you into heaven. And so here's the deal. So why don't we begin to identify with him down here? And so if, if I'm going to say something to someone, if I can't do it in his name, I'm not going to do it. If I'm going to say it, if I can't say it in his name, representing the Lord, <laughs> you think when you get to heaven, the Lord's going to go, I really appreciate how you criticized people when you were on the earth. You were awesome at that. <laughs> you just blessed so many people with your criticisms and your unkind words. I just helped them. He's not saying that, but he will say, thank you for how you blessed my people. Thank you for how you did a good job. And while we're down here, this is a great time for us to go, Lord, I want to thank you because I remember where I was before I met you and I remember how lost I was. I am so grateful that I am saved. I am so thankful. And, I, and I'm going to be thankful tonight. I'm going to be thankful tomorrow. Listen, guys, one of the best things we could ever do is to become one of the most thankful church. You walk in, those people are grateful. You're already known as being a friendly church and that's wonderful. But why don't we become known as being just a thankful church? You walk around, we're not complaining. We're not griping about what the government's doing. We're just thanking God that we have a God that's real, that we know where we're going, that he's the king of kings and lord of lords, and we get to be associated with him, and that's bigger than anything we else got going on. And so we're thankful. Just thankful. I am thankful that I'm saved. I am thankful that God spared my marriage. And I'm thankful that God has healed my children and healed my wife and healed me. I am thankful that he's given me a second chance to pastor a church when I failed it the first time. I am grateful that we have a wonderful staff and good people who are here. I am thankful that on a Wednesday night, I got more than four people, more than four Twitter followers in the room tonight. I'm thankful for that. But wouldn't you rather hear thanks come out of your pastor or complaining and anger? You expect more of me. You can expect more of you. Because when you leave here, no one knows who I am. But they know who you are. And what, man, what blesses people is to be around somebody who's got a good attitude. Just thankful. The Lord's good. Well, it's 190 degrees today. Well, I'm thankful my pipes aren't bursting. <laughs> and I'm thankful we got air conditioning. Thankful. Thankful. The biggest thing is you should be coming, they said, not, not jesting, not unkind words, not obscene stories. Give them the thanks. And whatever you do, word or deed, do it in Jesus' name. Giving thanks by him. It'll change things, won't it? If we were conscious of what I represent you, I want to make sure my words are right. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for people who are willing to come to listen, people who watch online and listen. Thank you, Father, that we can represent you in a way that's fitting, a way that's right, that we can honor you with our words, with our deeds but we can bless others and lift instead of tear down and, and heal instead of hurt. Make us a people like that. We want to be a blessing to our, our community, our world, our neighborhoods, wherever we are. Thank you for that. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed this evening if you're here and you say, you know what, Alan, I, 
I don't even know if I have a relationship with God. I'm not sure. But I want to be sure. Or you may be like I was. I had a relationship with the Lord. I walked away from him. And you realize tonight, I don't want to stay away from God. I want to get closer. I want to come back. We're going to say a prayer. We're not going to have you stand up or come to the front. But if that is you, and you would like to be in on this prayer, I just need you to do one thing. Just have the courage and the humility. Say, Alan, that's me. Would you pray for me? Slip your hand up real quick. Cross the auditorium. Say, that's me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Got you. Thank you. Thank you. Wonderful. Appreciate your courage and your humility. It takes a lot to do that. Anybody else? Silent, that's me. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. We're going we're gonna to pray. If you didn't lift your hand and you're thinking, thinking, man, I missed my chance. You didn't. We still have an opportunity. You can pray this prayer. Just pray it from your heart. We're going to pray it with you as a church family. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ. Because I've said yes to you. Father, for those who've prayed that prayer online, they prayed it here. For those who've come to you and for those who've come back, we're so grateful and we're so glad that we get to be a part of this. Thank you for what you're going to do in their lives. Thank you for the changes that will take place. Lord, we are grateful for all that you do. Give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.